Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource and joining me is Paul Gezi. Paul is the CEO of Control Energy Corp. And for those not familiar, um, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about Control Energy? Yeah, hi Jeff. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on. So Control is a high growth technology company focused on making buildings and cities smarter and more energy efficient. Okay. And, and so, um, so when you do this, are people mainly doing it to save money or, or just to be greener? Uh, so it's a combination, but primarily financial. And if you think about um, the market we operate in, we like to refer it as, as one of the world's largest energy markets uh, that people um, mostly ignore. So right now in North America, the energy spend for buildings, commercial, industrial, multi-residential, is about $200 billion a year and about 30% of that is lost to waste and inefficiency. So our, our natural market is about 50 billion US annually, growing at about 10% a year. And um, so most of our customers are looking for deep savings and, and more efficiency to improve their bottom line. So it's a, it's a large market. I imagine there's a lot of players. So how do you guys uh, fit into that space? Sure, that's a great question. So in terms of our market, the large integrated players, examples would be you know, Siemens and Schneider, kind of global names uh, with large operating platforms. Uh, and then there's lots of startups. Uh, we're in the middle. We're, uh, we started this at about a million of revenue. We've been growing those uh, substantially. And uh, where we play is taking on the incumbents with our technology and uh, you know, getting a large footprint uh, in a diverse customer base, and essentially being able to beat our competitors with our with our price, our quality, and our software. Okay, so is, is it a a, hard, a combination hardware software sale? Yes. Yeah, so we'll go to we'll take a an example. Um, let's say there's an apartment building with uh, 400 units, and a, and a customer of ours may have 100 buildings. We'll go into that building, install our software and hardware. Um, start to monitor the building in real time, start to learn how the building operates, uh, report that back to our customer in real time, and then create um, a series of assessments that lead into improvements. And those improvements you know, typically have a very fast payback uh, and are driving savings. And from the customer's perspective, whenever you make an improvement in a building, you're also reducing greenhouse gas emissions, which is becoming more and more important. Okay. And so for what you're doing, um, is it proprietary or, or it's know-how, piecing it all together? Yes. Yeah, so we have two patents on our technology, and um, our software is very robust, uh, very scalable. And uh, so right now we're operating in approximately 150 buildings uh, and scaling quickly. And so our vision of our world is we're going to be in 3,000 buildings over the next five years, and you can put a multiple of revenue on that. And um, you know the, the secret sauce to our business is we can get a customer online and have their building uh, reporting to them in a few hours, um, and it allows us to scale quickly and uh, efficiently across their portfolios. So it doesn't sound as uh, labor intensive as I thought. No. So our, the, the, whole, the whole key with our software is um, you know, how fast can you scale it and at what price point can you get the customer in. Once the customer is running our software, we're extremely sticky. So we have less than a 1% loss ratio uh, over time. And typically we lose a customer because they're selling their building 
to someone else who doesn't know us, and we have to start that relationship. So um, if you can imagine you know, owning uh, about 10 buildings in your portfolio, let's say you're a small REIT, it's very difficult to have visibility on a, you know, what's my best building and what's my worst. And uh, very quickly through our software, you can gain access to that and then make improvements. And so through that process, it allows us to scale uh, quickly and uh, at a great value to the customer. Okay. Now, do you new, uh, need new construction, or is it a retrofit sale? Uh, we primarily do a retrofit. We are getting involved in new construction as new markets open up to us. And uh, you know, both have a value to us. But the way we look at it is every time we add a building, we're adding revenue to control. And the more buildings we add, the more money we make. So it's a pretty simple business uh, driven by our front-end software. Okay. And, and who are you selling to? Uh, we're typically selling to what we call uh, asset managers, uh, property managers, uh, owners, uh, or operators. So it's any combination of those. Uh, but you know, our customer would be someone that has a vested interest in a better performing, a smarter building, and a more efficient building. And um, of course, that goes across stakeholders as well. But uh, we have a very diverse customer base and uh, you know, different needs. But uh, someone who has stewardship over the building and wants a better building. So what's the, the low-hanging fruit or, or size customer? Uh, so our typical you know, uh, sweet spot is uh, you have at least 10 buildings. Uh, you're looking for visibility in each of those buildings. You give us an order, and we're in one you know, quickly scaling to 10. That's kind of a, a great uh, new addition for a customer. Um, another example is we've just launched uh, using that platform of smart buildings, we've just launched um, a deal with Toyota. And uh, Toyota and uh, Control are working on a smart factory platform where we, uh, we make factories smarter, more efficient in real time. Uh, so we announced that last year. We've been announcing some deals. I think that relationship is going to grow substantially. And we now are in Toyota US, which I think is very important, and uh, working on their flagship plants. Uh, and I think uh, our shareholders will be excited about what we're doing in 2020 uh, with Toyota and the Smart Factory platform. Okay, very good. And what what is the ASP, and the uh, and also the the sales cycle? I, I think you said the implementation implementation part is pretty quick, but is it a, a long sales cycle? And and how big a sale is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you're dealing with what we call the multi-residential, you know, a market, so the REITs. Uh, sales cycles are about 60 days. Uh, when you're dealing with factories, sales cycles are about four to six months. And, and the difference being, you know, factories are much more complex. Uh, there's many more uh, individuals have a stake in, say, um, you know, how energy is operated and run. So uh, short sales cycles are 60 days. Long sales cycles can be four months. Uh, but essentially, they all start the same where we present uh, our software. Uh, we look at a few opportunities to make improvements. Uh, we install the software. We have that run for about 30 or 60 days. And that gives us all the data and analytics we need to report back to the stakeholder and basically say, here's what you should be doing uh, in real time to make improvements. Uh, and so right now, you know, from a big data perspective, uh, we've analyzed over 30 billion data records and growing. Uh, so we're getting a very large footprint uh, in the data world of all operating systems and all equipment systems and all energy systems and buildings, which over time I think will be very valuable to control in our customers. And, and so um, 
can, should I look at this on a per building? Uh, you know, how much revenue per building, or, or how's the way to look? Yeah, at I, that? I think I think that's a good metric. It's a simple one. So typically, when we onboard a new customer, a building is worth about one hundred sixty thousand to us. You know, it varies. Some are, are worth more, some are less. Uh-huh. And of that, is about fifteen percent recurring software revenue, and another fifteen percent is service revenue and the rest is project revenue. But here's what's really interesting. And, and in our deck um, on our website, uh, we have a slide that shows this. As we accumulate buildings, the software uh, revenue gets much higher, and the project revenue, although growing uh, as a percentage, gets lower. So what does that mean? It means every time we add a new building, and we're going from 100 buildings to 500 to 1,000 to 3,000, the software component becomes much larger. So over time, we are really a scaling software business uh, with high margins, uh, producing you know big data and um, less of a project company over time. But initially, you know when you get a new customer, you have to fix the problem and and run your software. So that's a good way to look at us. Okay, and then for the customer, what what is the the payback time? Uh, so typically, our customers will say to us, "If you can't get under a three-year payback, we're not interested." Which it ends up being about a thirty percent return on investment for them. Uh, in the building sector, it's really interesting. Right now, given how low interest rates are and given you know, low cap rates, every dollar you save on your bottom line is worth about $25 in improved valuation. So our, our multi-residential kind of commercial clients are really interested in how do I get a net operating income improvement. Our smart factory customers are more interested in operating efficiencies and driving profitability. So different kind of uh, needs from a customer base, but both really focused on the bottom line and fast paybacks, which we can deliver. Okay. So I could see um, this being valuable uh, to both you and uh, property managers. Do you have any large ones as partners? or? Yeah, so one or, of our largest... Yeah, so one of our largest customers would be um, Q Residential, which in Canada run about 10,000 doors uh, in the apartment sector. And uh, we're in about 70% of their buildings uh, running in real time. And so they can answer the question, what's my best performing building? You know, where is it? And why is it my best performing building? And uh, what we're finding right now, which we're very excited about, is we are starting to have discussions in the U.S. Uh, with large property managers with large portfolios uh, based on our success here. And an interesting stat for you, um, there are more multi-residential units in New York than all of Canada. <laughs> wow. Um, so we think the U.S. is our natural market as we, uh, as we scale. So you've been predominantly in Canada and you're just entering the U.S., is that correct? Yeah, so an important point there is we incubated this. You know, we're Canadians. We started this in Canada. We went public uh, on the small cap exchange here. But really the eye, the eye and the prize has always been the U.S. And uh, we wanted to put enough points on the board, scale the business, get to a good size. And um, so we're switching our focus to be uh, predominantly U.S. in 2020. And uh, we think we're going to make some interesting noise in the U.S. markets uh, because we've got a great track record now and it's our natural market given how we can scale. And, and so are, are you selling directly or, or what's your marketing channel? So our big uh, sale right now is direct to property managers and asset managers uh, based on our reputation, our history, and also the fact that you know, many of our customers have properties in the U.S. So um, they may have fewer properties in the U.S. than in Canada, but it allows to say, hey, let, let us move into the U.S. Uh, through you 
and then um, let us, then we, it gives us the ability to contact asset managers and property managers directly. Okay, and so what's the growth strategy for the U.S.? Are you going to just add more salespeople or more partners or, or acquisitions? Yes, yeah, so or right now uh, we're looking at two uh, kind of uh, growth tracks. So one is, you know, buildings can be earned uh, through a customer win, and building footprint can be acquired. So we're looking at a number of strategic acquisitions, and um, when we target an acquisition, it has to be a creative on the technology side for us. Uh, so we're looking at a number of U.S. Uh, acquisition targets right now, and uh, we're also building a U.S. sales team, uh, which will launch in Q2, and we've been putting the pieces in place uh, starting this year. And uh, we just rolled out a new uh, building automation uh, technology called Smart Suite that was just launched. Uh, you can see in the press releases a couple weeks ago and that is U.S. compliant. Uh, so we're in discussions right now with a number of hotels, uh, multi-residential asset managers. So it's really a combination of strong organic growth and uh, strategic acquisitions. Okay. And, and by acquisition, are you looking to, to have these people you know, stay on and, and, and really buying employees as well? Uh, so yeah, so when we do an acquisition, we think about it this way. You know, is, is a, a strong fundamental business, good ownership, uh, we like to keep management uh, on the team for at least three years. We're buying employees, we're buying customers, and maybe just as importantly, we're buying a uh, building footprint. And the more buildings we're in, in a very simple way, the more money we make. The more we deploy our technology, the more money we make. And it is a market share grab right now, and I think um, given our scaling, we feel very comfortable that we can take it from where we are to something much bigger over the next few years. Are there a lot of targets you have in, in mind for acquisition? Uh, we typically look at about uh, three a month, and so for every wow. deal we do, for every deal we do, we reject about five or six. Um, and so what what ends up happening is we just build a backlog of opportunities. And you know, we're very picky and choosy. You can see based on our history, uh, the acquisitions we've done in the past, we've paid about four and a half times uh, EBITDA. Uh, the deals we don't do are pricey in valuation, so we, you know, we put them in our backlog of opportunities for the future, and we also um, avoid deals where um, we we don't have the synergies that we need in our technology. So uh, we're very picky, and uh, we're taking our time with acquisitions, but uh, when they work, they work really well. And are you prim predominantly looking to do stock deals or cash or what? Uh, we offer some flexibility. So we've done both a stock cash, a hybrid. It's really what the vendor prefers to do. Uh, typically, we're not looking to raise equity in the market. We, we like to do it internally. Uh, we've used debt to grow. Uh, and so from a balance sheet perspective, we're about 70-30 uh, debt equity. Uh, we like to get that to 50-50 over the next year or two. Uh, just because it's it's been fueling our growth, which has been great, and now we want to kind of turn on uh, the organic growth uh, and the equity side of the business. But uh, one of our um, you know key features in in our structure is we only have 30 million shares outstanding. Basic, we've done that on purpose. Uh, we're anti-dilution hawks. Uh, insiders own about 45% of the company, so we're really building something uh, with value. And um, we've kept our share structure extremely tight. We're very proud of that. But uh, we use a combination of debt and equity to do that. Okay. And then you touched a little bit on the revenue model. Just would like you to expand on that a little bit. Sure. So uh, again, every in very simple terms, every building has a value to control. Uh, every building we bring on as a customer is worth about 160000 
to us some more, some less. Of that 160, 15% is a software as a service recurring revenue. 15% uh, is service recurring revenue where we're, we're going to the site on a quarterly basis and fixing or updating something. And the balance is project revenues, uh, a one-time project, a one-time improvement, uh, a one-time addition. Uh, if you take all that over time, uh, the project revenues as a percentage scale less uh, quickly uh, as opposed to the software as a service revenues which are scaling faster. So we really see this as a large SaaS play over time, and, and we think that's going to drive our valuation and the business forward. And where are margins now, and, and given that mix, uh, uh, where should they go to? Yeah, so we typically run in the 45% gross margin, which uh, effectively shows a combination of software, uh, service, and projects. Uh, over time, we're going to drive this business to about 60 65%. And what that reflects is software uh, sales growing over time and projects accelerating at a slower pace. Uh, and about $300 million of revenue is our target over the next five years. And um, if you think about our business and our platform, what allows us to do that is the scalability of what we can do. So as we add buildings and, and, and we put in software, it just allows us to um, naturally scale the business quickly, which is very important. Um, and we keep thinking about reducing that sales cycle time uh, internally and how to make it faster and better. But uh, that's how the business is structured, and it's really primed to scale. And the, uh, the software, is it predominantly um, fleshed out, or does it need CapEx? Uh, we have actually invested in our technology. We've spent about 600000 over the last two years out of internal cash flow, and um, we're very proud of that and that we haven't gone to the market and said we need, your, we need your capital to grow. So essentially our model is very high revenue growth, uh, EBITDA positive, and cash flow break even. That's how we run the business. And we think that's the right, yeah, that's the right combination to grow uh, and, and not put up a bunch of losses. And so we're very proud. That's not easy to do, by the way. It's, it's very difficult uh, because you've got to manage your pennies while you're growing, and uh, you know we do spend a lot of time on that. And so using that model, it's now given us a very good share structure, uh, which we think we can grow into. And what's the biggest gating factor for growth? Uh, I would say uh, with buildings, it's finding customers that have portfolio-wide opportunities. So it's very easy to find a customer with one or two buildings. And mm -hmm. if you focus on that part of the market, you're busy, but your scaling opportunities are limited. And so as an example, the Toyota Smart Factory partnership took a year to put together, right? So whenever you're dealing with large organizations that are global, to put a deal together usually takes some time. So I would say that's a gating uh, factor. Uh, and the other is some large organizations uh, are moving to an internal approach to making their buildings smarter and more efficient. And sometimes we're we're dealing with the gatekeeper within the organization that um, you know may not want us there. But uh, we find ways to break those down, those barriers down through the ease and simplicity of what we do, and and really becoming a partner embedded in the business, as opposed to a competitor. And the flip side, uh, the, the drivers of the business. Uh, the drivers for us are scaling our software, and um, you know the more software we deploy the more sticky we are and the more work we get from the customer. And so that can be a combination of a strong organic growth, creative acquisitions, 
And uh, the industry that we're in is consolidating. So you're hearing a lot now about smart cities and smart buildings. Uh, we're not the only player. So there is a market share component to this where um, you know, the faster you scale and the more market share you grab, the more valuable you become. And, and that just feeds on itself. Okay. And if we look out over the next year, are there any um, events or catalysts Absolutely. So we um, uh, are constantly winning new customers. Uh, some of that gets press released if it's you know, a significant size. Uh, we've made great inroads with Toyota into the U.S. market and are now working in the U.S. Uh, our new technology launch, uh, which started in Canada, is now moving to the U.S. and we have big plans for scaling that in the U.S. And um, we do have a couple what I would call strategic acquisitions on the go that um, if we close those could increase our size substantially. So I think if we put all that together, you know, the future is very bright and uh, we feel very comfortable that uh, we've got a real good growth story here that we're scaling into. And as, you know, as the majority owners, um, we're excited about our growth. Very nice. Now, did I understand Toyota correctly, how that you started that in Canada and that it expanded into the U.S.? That is correct. So it's Toyota Canada, and then um, we are now in the U.S., and it's actually a North America smart factory platform, which includes Mexico. And um, started with one facility, and now we're in multiple and, uh, and growing. Okay. So is that Greenfield? Is there, is there much more room to grow with that one? Uh, there's a lot of room there. So, I mean, each factory to us over time could be worth about a million dollars. But the way factories are set up is they're all CapEx and budget-driven. So what ends up happening is you get part of the order year one, part of the order year two, and uh, they've got uh, 200 factories uh, that they're involved with either uh, under the Toyota brand or under a co-brand or a part supplier. And so we're, you know, our hope is to scale into those 200 over the next five years. And uh, we're on pace based on our work with them to do that. And each factory has a value that's a little bit more than an average building just because you're dealing with uh, you know, a square foot of 200,000 to half a million or, or larger. Yeah. Well, it's a good sign to see... Uh the deeper penetration there it means they must like what's happening. Well, I think what, our, uh, what we're proud of is we, we uh, I won't say which competitors, but we beat out a number of competitors to win the opportunity. And really what won it for us uh, was a combination of the speed uh, of the software and how we could deploy uh, very quickly and efficiently through the IoT, through the Internet of Things, through Wi-Fi. We don't have to wire up uh, buildings or facilities. And um, our patents are really around that communication and, uh, and how we work with that. And it made it very easy to, um, to move into a factory and, and just get it uh, flowing, get the data flowing, and, and get information and analytics where we could make change and impact uh, in a positive way. Good. So before we go, uh, any closing remarks on, uh, on why Control Energy is, is a good place to put money? Sure. So I would say uh, we're one of Canada's fastest growing companies. Uh, my goal for 2020 is to become one of the U.S.'s fastest growing companies, and uh, we have a, f a platform to do that. Uh, we have the scaling uh, features to do that, and um, you know our business is, is at that inflection point where we're taking off uh, into a larger, uh, much more addressable market in the U.S., and uh, we're just going to get new customers, new buildings, and keep growing the revenue. So I think if uh, people want to follow us, um, you can share our symbol. It's KNRLF, 
and we trade on the QB um, and uh, K&R in Canada. Well, very good, Paul. Um, thank you so much for sharing the story. Thanks for your time.